The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, and welcome to Tech Trader on Barron's Live. I'm Barron's Associate Editor for Technology, Eric Savitz. Uh, thanks for being with us again. Uh, my guest today is Ben uh, Reitzis, who's the Managing Director and Head of Technology Research at Melius Research. This is a new gig for Ben. Uh, we've known each other for a long time, and I'm excited to hear about his uh, uh, his new um, uh, job. And in particular, he uh, he recently launched coverage of uh, some of uh, our listeners' favorite stocks, uh, uh, a dozen of the largest technology stocks, uh, but with a particular theme. Um, and people can kind of might guess right away what that theme is, which is AI. So uh, talk to us a little bit, Ben, about your uh, your approach to the tech universe and uh, your larger thesis here about AI. Yeah, well, it's so great to be with you, Eric. Uh, after all these years, it's nice to be back. I'll tell you, the AI theme has me back. I am so excited to talk to clients about this journey. It really is still the early innings, and we just have a lot more to go. There's going to be a shakeout. There's going to be re-accelerations, and there's a lot of exciting things to come. In terms of my approach, I believe, and we believe here at Milius, that tech is increasingly cross-sector, converging issues, impacting stocks. You can see that with the Magnificent Seven. I mean, Microsoft sells off for a few days. Almost all the market cap goes into Google and some into Meta, right? Hmm. So increasingly, these stocks are becoming converging in terms of all their issues around silicon, around cloud strategies, software strategies, around the fund flows. When you're a large cap PM or any PM or any investor, you have to decide how much Microsoft relative to Google more and more rather than you know Microsoft relative to another software company. So it's really neat. Uh, and we see all the tech titans really converging here around the AI theme. In terms of our approach, what we look for are sustainable moats. Uh, and we don't get as bogged down on valuation because some of these companies have made such good decisions and have built such good full stack approaches to problems that they've actually aligned themselves to have to be able to generate a disproportionate share of the industry's profits. So valuation is a great metric at times, but at times it can bog you down and you can miss some things because these companies, especially the companies that we chose to cover, uh, have all made some pretty good decisions around how to generate a disproportionate share of profits. And then the other thing we really like, with especially with regard to the growth names, we always get excited and have got excited earlier in our career with Apple about open-ended TAMs. Uh, it, it's, there's so many figures being thrown around on AI. Uh, it's really hard to know how many trillions this market will be and open up. Um, and uh, what it does is it creates these growth vectors where you can see like what's going on with NVIDIA where, where things are sudden and very severe to the upside. Um, and, and it's fun to try to figure out how far it can go. And uh, you so, know, we're pretty excited. So, so let's let's talk about Nvidia for a moment because that's the 
you know, the biggest of the stars uh, in this environment so far. And obviously they dominate the market for uh, GPUs, which are the chips that kind of drive the creation of large language models and, and running inference um, uh, processes on these models. And, you know, as you uh, alluded to last quarter, they made, uh, they kind of uh, stunned everyone by providing uh, guidance for the current quarter that was like $4 billion above the street consensus this week was around seven billion, and they're projecting like eleven billion. Uh, you know, some people have said like that's the biggest like um, you know beat that anyone's ever seen, and it does get at this question about valuation because you know now you have Nvidia, first chip company with more than a trillion dollar valuation, uh, trades at you know what what optically look like high multiples of like everything, um, and yet um, they don't really have a lot of meaningful competition uh, in that space. There are some, but no, no one's really got much market share to speak of. How do you think about NVIDIA and how do you, do you just kind of buy it for the long run and not think too much about valuation or like how should investors approach it? You know, we are delighted to be covering NVIDIA because they're not just a chip company, they're a software company and a cloud company and a solutions company. Um, they are doing things that remind us of how Apple built their moat. And uh, it, it's really unbelievable. And it's a culmination of decades of decisions, uh, at least 15 years plus, that Jensen um, has, has made, where there's the CUDA programming language uh, that developers rely on, where some people call it a closed uh, programming language, but it's really not. It's a standard that they update that developers can rely upon and they've become the company that can monetize AI. And really they've thought of everything. I mean, they have data management products that, you know, Rapids that helps you uh, manage your data. They've thought about almost every bottleneck. There could be an accelerated computing uh, down to the networking, obviously with the Mellanox acquisition and some of their innovations there. Um, what's so interesting about NVIDIA was I actually found the analysis wasn't as challenging as the spirit of your question was, and some other companies are. It, if you take Jensen at his word that every server needs to be accelerated, you can come up with a number for their data center business that gets you in the $80 billion range. Um, and it's not that hard. You do a attach rate for servers, maybe 50%-ish, you do a market share for NVIDIA, have it fall to 70%, but you put thousands of dollars of content on there. And in the, one of the out years, we don't know which year it is, you can get to an $80 billion data center business and nobody and has- By the way, just to be, put that in, in, in perspective, how big is that business now? The business now is uh, much smaller than that. It's uh, the street, the highest numbers on the street in two years have it going to the mid 50s. Okay. And, you know, it's 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 much lower than that. Now we're talking, uh, you know, seven, eight billion a quarter, that that kind of number. And what we what we think is when you have that kind of earnings power in the future, it backs a twenty dollars per share type of EPS figure out there. Um, when you when you start thinking along those lines and you don't even have upside in the gaming and auto and other parts of their business, uh, you can back a valuation that's pretty significant. Um, you know, if you do 30 times that number, it's $600. Uh, you might be able to afford a 
higher multiple for a company like NVIDIA, especially if their market share and moat continues to be strong. Um, you know, the key thing with NVIDIA is they are so far ahead of the competition. Uh, and right now there's a scramble for GPUs. So it is it could look rather insane. The long term is that the company is building a software business, a cloud services business with the help of partners. Uh, and then this automobile automotive business where they could compete with Tesla for self-driving. Um, all those things kick in later. Um, but all those things are the kind of things that actually afford a higher multiple longer term. Right. So right now you're seeing the scramble for GPUs, um, which is very hardware book to build type kind of thinking, but they actually are laying the groundwork for a handoff to higher multiple revenue streams in the future, which is really exciting. Now, in my experience, that's never as orderly as you want it to be, but if you're a long-term shareholder, they are doing a lot of good things. Okay. Um, the other uh, names that get, uh, I, I, I would argue, have gotten the most attention here are Microsoft and Google, and um, in part because both of them have uh, kind of public-facing versions of their AI chatbots. Uh, Google has barred. Uh, there's also they're inserting some uh, Gen AI features into Google search. Microsoft has relaunched Bing using OpenAI with ChatGPT, and they also have a play. And then in both cases, they're also each each of the companies is uh, has other plays, right? So they're adding, uh, you know, Microsoft Copilot has been announced for uh, for uh, uh, Microsoft 365 at a higher price point than people thought, um, which is helping, which helped the stock out uh, recently. Um, and, you know, Google is taking uh, some of the same kind of approaches with its own software. And of course, they are both big cloud providers as well. They both reported earnings last week to slightly different reactions. Um, Microsoft's numbers were a little bit low. I think part of that is the PC business, which is still part of their equation. Alphabet had a really good quarter. I think in that case, it was helped a little by strong ad market. But when you look at these two from an AI perspective, um, you're, you've been, uh, you, you launched Microsoft with a buy, but had a hold on Alphabet. Um, how do you think about the two and their relative position in this market? Yeah, well, what, you know, Microsoft stock, let's take the near term. Um, they had an Inspire event and announced this amazing pricing for the Copilot. Not only that, the demo for the product just blew people away. So right. there were super high expectations. The setup for that earnings call, you know, if I think if we had a mulligan, um, everybody on the street would say, you know, the, the expectations were a little high for that one. And it was in a vacuum and there was almost no way they could hit it. Uh, I think they'll be fine long term. Um, what I'm really excited about from Microsoft is they have the opportunity to be the de facto interface for how knowledge workers interact with AI mm -hmm. because they have the digital real estate of Windows and Office. And, you know, there's 382 million uh, users of Office. But, you know, when you think about Windows and you think about walking in every day or walking into your own living room and turning on your computer on your lap, it, they have you. And they have the ability to have either a co-pilot or a voice assistant that then interacts with other apps. And what I'm really excited about is the products that we've seen, you know, add a ton of value, a ton of productivity and are worth paying for. Um, what I, what I really think is that there is probably about 60 to 80 cents a year, potentially 
that's not even in street estimates yet in mm-hmm. potential pricing power, you know, as we go through each year, just question is, when does that hit? And I think one of the d- disappointing things in the quarter was that they didn't have any info on how to model that or when right. to put it in. And people wanted that. Um, and then analysts are kind of left to their own devices to kind of speculate like me. And then it creates expectations. But long term, the earnings growth is there because of that. And it allows me to uh, radically, as an analyst, kind of make predictions about double digit growth. Um, and it also allows me to have a vision of their moat for that digital real estate. Hmm. And I think as they innovate upon that, they'll also become a connector for other apps. You know, uh, their competitors and partners will have to pipe into them so that you can experience their data so that you can experience AI. And I think that that kind of moat allows them to not only have the ability to generate outsized profits in the industry for the very long term, but it's, it's super exciting. And it could lead to share gains in other areas, CRM, search. We're not seeing right. it right now. but Well, it's early if, and they've just started rolling this stuff out. If you're the gateway, who knows what you can do? And then, you know, I've been through this before, right? In the 90s, people started thinking this way with the internet. And then they started thinking Microsoft could dominate this, this, and this. And obviously, the stock kept going like this. And we'll have to just see. Um so I'm excited about that. And I also feel like they're going to keep routing more people to the cloud. I think the other disappointing thing in the quarter was the cloud didn't hit the whisper numbers and maybe the margins are a little lower there as they scramble for GPUs. But in general, they have an amazing mind share right now when it comes to their cloud, the way they give credits, the way they shepherd developers. And, and I feel like that's good long-term. Now with regard to Google, um, I feel there's some interesting things about them um, and the discount that they have to Microsoft. And, you know, it it does make sense that there would be a little bit of a catch up trade, especially with that quarter we saw, which was really good. Um, I'll tell you what. So I like all my children. I chose this coverage. The the coverage didn't choose me. Uh, So I respect the heck out of Google. A couple things that bothered me in terms of saying, hey, it deserves a 30 just like Apple and Microsoft mm-hmm. was that they continue to pay Apple, Samsung and others for their mobile real estate. Right. And that as is a search engine right. as a search engine. Sorry for the default Google default right. privileges on the search on mobile devices um, with AI. We don't know where that's going to go. There may be an AI app that Microsoft makes where they're paying Apple and others attack or something else. And the, the, there is uh, there was a, l- a little bit of concern on my part with regard to the moat when AI comes in. Um, you know, is is their search generative experience really the answer, or does search really change to outcomes? And I couldn't figure it out, frankly. Um, And I thought, you know, I bet you the market is going to struggle with this and continue to give these guys a discount. Now, they had a great quarter. They beat they beat the advertising. And I'll tell you, I really love YouTube. I'm a YouTube TV uh, subscriber as well. And I got kids who are on it all day. Um, I wish it was more of the revenue. Um, And, uh, you know, I I do feel like YouTube is something that, you know, is uh, is really on its way. I just uh, also felt that with the cloud, 
they had the lowest margins of the major cloud folks. So it's a negative mix shift when they do well, but it's a, it's a very understandable move to the upside since the report. Uh, they're going to have a say in AI, um, and um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they stake their claim in that digital real estate. In AI, is the world going to start with a search bar, uh, or are they going to start with Microsoft on a PC, or are they going to start with your iPhone? And this is yeah. the mobile real estate that really wins. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I, there's a couple of elements of that that I worry a little bit about. One is, um, uh, you know, certain, certainly if you use Bard, and I, I actually have been using it a lot. I think it's um, it's a fantastic tool um, um, in a lot of ways, and it does replace some of the searching that I might have done on on uh, uh, with Google. And at the moment, that's not monetized, so there's no advertising in Bard. Um, that's something they're going to have to sort out. Um, uh, it's expensive, um, so they're there in, in terms of the you know the need for um infrastructure it's not just nvidia that benefits here but there's a lot of infrastructure obviously involved and the cost per query is higher than it is on a traditional search and um and then when you look at what google's been experimenting with on inserting a general ai answers into um into search and you there's a toggle like if you go to the google homepage, you can turn on the google labs function and and see that in your search results. And if you do that, one thing you find is, well, it kind of pushes a lot of the advertising down the page. And so I, I worry there too a little bit about, well, what does that really mean for the advertising market? And to the extent that other chat bots serve some of the same function, um, then it's just not, it's not just Bing and ChatGPT. There's a whole bunch of them out there. If they eat into the search uh, volumes, uh, that's a little bit of a risk for them. Uh, yeah, so you said that well. There's no question. They killed it on the advertising environment. It's much and, and it was a good call uh, by moving Ruth to that new position. You know, some folks were worried she was going to leave and, you know, and that that's good for buybacks. It's good for financial discipline. There, there was a couple other things in the quarter for large long onlys that that hit the, you know, hit the mark. Right. OK, so um, we're going to get two more big earnings announcements this week. Yeah, uh, coming up on Thursday, we get both Amazon um, and Apple. And I know you didn't pick up coverage of Amazon, but I also know that you keep pretty close tabs on AWS. Uh, it's hard not to in uh, if you're going to cover AI in the cloud. Um, and, um, you know, Amazon's actually been a really good performing stock this year. And I think part of it is, um, you know, they they uh, well, they had a terrible year last year. So they're <laughs> the stock is coming back. Um, there's there's some. Uh, Hopes for you know a good year for um, for e-commerce. They had a good day uh, apparently on with Amazon Prime on a good couple of days with the um, with with Prime days. Um, uh, but let's talk about AWS. And so one of the one of the issues with AWS has been um, growth has slowed. Now that happened at Azure on GCP too over the last few quarters. Um, AWS, if things don't break exactly right, you could see growth dropping into the high single digits this quarter. Um, there's a little concern about um, this process that um, people like to talk about, um, cloud optimization, uh, which is kind of a nice way of saying people are trying to figure out how they can spend less and get more compute from their cloud spending, their customers, all, all the large uh, players, customers. Um, what's your take on what we might see from AWS? And do you think we're close to this 
inflection point where we might see some reacceleration, maybe driven by AI? Well, I sure hope we are. Um, you know, when you when you take a step back on Amazon, each Magnificent Seven, well, or you know, maybe outside of actually each one had some kind of COVID bump. Uh, where, you know, in, in Amazon's case, people went crazy buying online and they overbought in the cloud, you know, as remote work and whatever else took mm -hmm. place. And, you know, every one of them has kind of been digesting, cutting costs or, you know, or, and adjusting. And, and Amazon's doing it in their own way. Um, I feel that Amazon has the biggest challenge of the major clouds because it's the biggest target. Right. Uh, and there's a couple things behind the scenes is like when you're the biggest target and a CIO wants to cut something, you know, there's going to be more instances, rogue instances, I, I say that loosely, you know, of that um, to cut. The other thing is while adoption of this, so there's cloud optimization software out there for many companies, not going to name names, but they're generally better at optimizing AWS than they are for others and and a lot of you know there's 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 some adoption of that software among enterprises um so aws is the biggest challenge on that optimization uh structurally versus anyone else second uh you know there's oracle um obviously we know what's going on at microsoft mm -hmm. but you, you got to remember there's oracle now growing like crazy in the cloud a lot of that is coming potentially at the expense of amazon at least in terms of new business mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of the hype around AI and uh, Amazon's is a little more close to the vest than their style versus the others, especially Microsoft. And there is a perception out there that they're a little behind. They do have some excellent products. This bedrock is gaining some momentum uh, where it's a, it's a generative AI service, you know, supplying models and data prep uh, for customers. And they, they, they do have a lot behind the scenes. But um, they, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't quite out of the woods yet, but I hope for my industry that, that, that we turn. And I am going to say that I do feel that we pivot at some point in 2024. I'm a big fan of an AI halo effect mm -hmm. uh, that can hit a lot of areas. Um, and I feel, that, uh, I feel that some of that will hit Amazon, but I, I do feel like they obviously will have a big say in AI as well. Yeah, you know, you saw with uh, uh, Microsoft two quarters ago said uh, that in the June quarter, they'd get like one point of Azure growth from uh, from AI workloads. This time they said in the September quarter, they'd get two points of growth from Azure workloads. Um, that certainly does suggest that it's beginning to become a real factor in the cloud. We'll see what, AW, what, what Amazon says. I, I do think it's true that like, Amazon feels like a little bit of an afterthought in terms of the way the invest, invest the investment community is approaching AI, and um, I, I think it I, I, it feels to me a little like it's getting a little lost. And I don't I don't I'm not sure that has anything to do with their capabilities or their skill sets or you know they're developing LLMs. They have a lot of tools um, mm -hmm. for their customers, and uh, they're not they don't have a, a chatbot um, you know uh, yet, but like. Uh, you know, maybe we're going to get an Amazon retail chatbot or something. I, I, I will say this, that, you know, Microsoft, we, we're recommending it, but the news flow with regard to the clouds is shifting towards Google and Amazon right now, at least for a couple months. You know, Google has a big event later this month. Uh, they're going to talk about all sorts of things. It's, it's probably going to sound good. Um, and then, you know, Amazon probably announces some more stuff in the fall. They have a bigger event. 
And you know, we wrote this in our launch that we wouldn't be surprised if Amazon and Nvidia had hugged it out. Um, you know, uh, Amazon has their own chips and they're doing things, but those are task based. They're not good for everything. And I have a feeling I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they were, if they they got a little closer to Nvidia rather than apart, um, because you got to play all fields. You got you got to do it. And I wouldn't be shocked if that happened as well. What I don't know is when the reacceleration takes place, but I do expect them to get a lot more vocal. Right. Okay. We'll see what happens. Um, okay. So uh, the other big one is that's coming up this week is Apple. Um, now, like the interesting thing about Apple from an AI context is of this set of companies that you uh, launched on a dozen or so companies, they all have clear AI strategies except for Apple. Look, so you know, at the uh, developers conference a few months ago. Uh, barely anything was said about AI. They announced their uh, Vision Pro headset, which you know has some AI things in it, and there's some AI embedded in other kinds of things that Apple does. But their strategy is a little unclear. There was a story a few weeks ago, I forget who did it, maybe it was Bloomberg, um, asserting that they are working on, um, on a uh, LLM, that they might have a chatbot, that uh, they're trying to figure out how to go to market. Now, I would note that Siri, like the, um, you know, the, the uh, 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 chat uh, voice bot thing um, has been around for 10 years or 12 years, um, feels a little dated. Uh, you can't, you know, you can ask it to do certain things, but it's, it's not, uh, it's not exactly chat GPT. So, but you have a, the a thesis on this. So like, like, let's talk about uh, that. How do you think about Apple and AI, Ben? I think Apple's going to have a huge say in AI. I, I think that you have to remember, Tim doesn't show his hand. Um, no. They're a very secretive company. Um, there's a couple things about Apple. Um, first, I want to talk about mobile real estate. So well reported, they got $20 billion for the default search privileges uh, from Google. I think that number is going to be meaningfully higher this year. If you were to like take those payments um, that they deserve for, you know, search and assume it either AI or search or something is they're going to receive payment. I mean, you could argue, you know, that's an NPV of 400 to $500 billion. Now that's already in earnings because they already get paid, right. but that real estate is so valuable because their customers spend the most on the app store, on everything, their searches, their AI interactions will be the most valuable period. So they're going to have a huge say. So they'll either do it themselves or get paid handsomely to use someone else's. Because when you get up in the morning, you reach for this and you start your day with this. So this has to be one of the major interfaces for how you deal with AI apps. So a lot of, you know, I don't think this is that well understood in the analyst community. Apple Silicon is like amazing. They have been innovating in silicon. They have a neural engine uh, with multiple cores that can process uh, AI apps efficiently with low power. And they have skated to where the puck is going in AI, where you're going to have multiple mm. apps on your phone that need both training and inferencing, and I'll get to that, on your iPhone, interacting with the cloud securely. And Apple has the best reputation for privacy, probably among the major companies. Mm -hmm. um, 
They care about it. And if you know Tim for years, you know he cares. It's in his heart. And that is going to be really important just alone from a brand standpoint, but they also have software to back it. There's little known features in iOS 17 that, that do a great job of securing your voice and allowing you to interact with apps. Um, they, I think, I think that Apple's privacy and security reputation is going to be a huge leg up along with their silicon. So the silicon is going to allow you to have 20, 30 apps open on your phone, interacting in voice or chat when those apps get invented. Then I think their privacy reputation and the software that they've enabled is going to allow you to take your personal data and have tra some training done on your iPhone for efficiency and inferencing with secure information on your phone. Mm -hmm. And you as a consumer are gonna go, oh man, I'm glad I have an iPhone to do this because I don't want all that information out there. Right. And I think that you, collective, everybody listening, will be upgrading your iPhones for years to come to take advantage of those apps. The problem is you can't visualize it as much right now because they're so they keep it so close to the vest. But if you look really hard at the software innovations and, and the silicon innovations, they're skating to where the puck is going. And uh, I feel that the iPhone is going to have a major place. Now, the one other thing I would say, I really liked that Bloomberg article and it makes a ton of sense. Um, I would just say that that could be an upside for services. So what could happen is they could have a whole AI services that are secured by Apple and actually interact securely with your iPhone and the iCloud, mm -hmm. and then you have services on top. So what if we had a Microsoft ARPU moment for Apple in services if they were able to run their own apps that are native on your iPhone, and then as part of Apple One, you had to pay a premium for that there you go. You know, you have another revenue stream. This is why it's at a 30 multiple. This is why they they will have a say in AI. And it, it, as long as the iPhone is what you reach for in the morning. Yeah. I, I wonder whether there's an opportunity for them. You know, there's long been uh, speculation about whether they might someday be interested in doing their own search engine. Um, maybe this is an opportunity there. I would note, by the way, um, uh, you know, um, on, uh, this gets to Google too, that um, the Justice Department's uh, uh, lawsuit against Google over search and monopolization of search is supposed to come to trial in September. So it's coming up soon. Um, among the issues at play in that case are the Apple-Google relationship. Um, so we'll see. So something could happen there. Um, that will take some time because uh, to play out, but we're actually, uh, that's been three years in making that case. So we'll see what happens um, on that one. I, I think, um, uh, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what Apple does. I mean, they're not going to leave them, get, let themselves get left out of the biggest uh, technology ever. I also think it's worth noting that Apple is never the pioneer, right? Apple, uh, uh, for all their technical prowess, uh, is a I wouldn't even call them a fast follower. I would fall, call them a deliberate follower, right? So if you think about the iPhone, um, they were not the first smartphone. I mean, you know, Blackberries were around for a long time, right? Um, there were other smartphones out there. Uh, they changed the market, um, you know, and so there are lots of examples of this. And um, maybe that will be the case here too. We'll see what happens. They have a great full stack approach. 
they do. They do. So I want to talk, touch on a few other uh, names. Uh, one, so you you um, you like a couple of the sort of legacy names that have kind of been left out of the the, the fray uh, this year, right? Yeah, um, I do. So, so uh, let, I want to talk about a couple of those. So one of those is IBM, uh, which is sort of the like. I've written quite a bit, bit about this. It's kind of like they were like the pioneers here, right? I mean, they were they were doing uh, you know playing uh, chess against uh, grandmasters uh, with their deep blue like supercomputer uh, in the nineteen eighties, I think. And then you know, of course, they had their famous appearance on Jeopardy with Watson, um, things like that. That's also like more than ten years ago. Um, and they've made a big bet here, right? I mean, in fact, if you go back to the moment when Arvind Krishna became CEO of IBM, he talked very early on that the company's two priorities were hybrid cloud and AI. Um, and they kind of get ignored a little bit. The stock has done next to nothing uh, this year. They actually had a pretty good quarter, um, uh, better than people thought. And the stock had a little bit of a bounce there. But how do you think about IBM as a play here on on AI? Yeah, um, I'm really upbeat about IBM. I mean, obviously now this is valuation, Ben. You know, a little bit right. too. Um, but IBM, the the thesis I think is really simple. It's a very low expectation stock. So if 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 they beat by 200 basis points, there's a decent drop rate, and then people will start to envision at least $11 in earnings power. But let me tell you the thesis. AI for companies is hard. Mm -hmm. They don't know the model to pick to train. They don't necessarily know how to prep their data, and they don't necessarily know how to have the training result in an application that makes them more productive. And their board has just given them some budget and says, report back to me, and it better darn make us better. And you better be able to communicate to the street that you have a strategy. This is the golden age for consulting. Right. There was a thought when AI came out that consultants were dead. This AI stuff is hard. It is so hard. I mean, there's a data point every day. The models are changing. The regulations are going to change. And IBM has an edge in highly regulated industries. And in consulting, you know, there's not that, I mean, there's there's the big, you know, four and there's Accenture, but IBM is up there in terms of reputation. You hire IBM in a highly regulated industry, you probably don't get fired. <laughs> and so AI, in my opinion, for the enterprise, which kicks in next year more, IBM's in a really good seat. And then they'll pull through more software. They came out, forget the Watson stuff with chess and the, the stuff that was yeah, under so prior. That's actually just, right. it, yeah, just forget that. Just forget it. It, right. it. It's not that it's, it just doesn't impact the thesis. The sure. thesis now is that they have software with modules that help you implement enterprise AI, prep your data, govern your data. Right. Period. They're calling Watson X. Uh, right. And the and consultants. They have, they're developing their own LLMs. They will help you uh, develop your own. They will happily work with third third-party LLMs, and yeah. I think the real focus here, and I think this is important not just for IBM, but for other enterprise players, it's all about data security and integrity. You know, you don't want your data leaking into some, like, other companies' LLM. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about, um, you know, their customers are often financial services companies, healthcare companies, um, manufacturers with a lot of proprietary information, 
Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. And by the way, they launched their stuff in early May and they crushed bookings last quarter, which now granted, we don't see that for a little while, but I don't know if it's coincidental. I think there's a halo effect on these conversations that drives the business. Well, you know, it's interesting about that is um, a few weeks before IBM reported, Accenture reported, and their numbers were not so great and their bookings were not so great. And so going into the IBM quarter, there was some concern about their consulting business. And as you say, they kind of killed it and the stock has responded appropriately. Um, let's talk a little bit. Um, so you, there's, there's a couple other infrastructure names that you like uh, as as AI plays. Um, so I want to talk first about Arista and Cisco. So Arista um, uh, reported a really good quarter last night. And I don't think it had very much to do with AI. It was all about enterprise demand. The stock uh, last time I looked this morning was up 15 or 20%. Um, and the other one that you you mentioned, which you like more, is Cisco. And um, Cisco has kind of been left out of the AI discussion a little bit here. Um, they're not they're not high on the list of like oh that's an obvious AI play, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to Arista, which gets like half of its business from Meta and Microsoft. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about those two and how you view their opportunity here. Well, Arista crushed it. Um, you know that's a perfect example of. Uh, you know, whether it's analysts or hedge funds or whatever, like paying too much close attention to meta. I mean, if you followed that data point, which we did, you know, you're, you're just scared. You're like, wow, that's yeah, well, 20 plus well, percent of sales and it must be down or it must be very weak. So right. they and crushed it. Sold off pretty hard last week, I'd point out. Yeah. Got of concerns about both meta and Microsoft spending plans. And then Juniper had a crappy quarter. Yeah. Um, and the, the assumption was, well, that's that's a bad sign for Arista too. And Arista mm-hmm. is still more than 10 percent. I mean, look, they're an athletic company with a very simple business model with, with an amazing CEO. Um, and, and what can I say? And not only that, they guided up for the next quarter and, and, and sounded good. And then they, they guided conservatively for next year. But that's got to be good for Cisco, even though it's very clear they lost share. The the enterprise is at least strong enough to deliver that kind of. Uh, but in the long term, what I feel with Cisco, 12, 13 times earnings, frankly, it's been they they need they've been disclosing their orders. OK, orders are something back from the bubble under John Chambers that made sense then. Right. And the company is transitioning towards software, security recurring revenue, they're reporting RPO, they have all these great metrics, and then they say orders are down 23%. So orders are a low multiple relic, and the company is transitioning. So I think investors over time will get away from orders and more towards the software and recurring revenue type metrics. That's one. Number two, if they get anything right at their in AI, stock goes up two or three turns, um, and... Um, what I think happens is there's an AI halo effect on the enterprise where you're going to be transferring data. You're going to want your devices connected to deal with these AI apps, and you're going to need very good connections. So I think Cisco being a trusted enterprise brand will get pulled up and lifted up. And I see a path towards high single-digit earnings growth next year versus the street at mid. And you know nobody. And this is like IBM. If they beat by a couple hundred basis points on revenue, it actually probably expands the multiple three turns. Okay, um, we are running out of time, but I I want to just. Uh, in fact, we're over time. But uh, but I do want to sneak in one or two last things 
Um, in particular, I'm curious about your thinking on Intel. So Intel yeah. just reported too, and the quarter, uh, got, they got a good response to the quarter. Um, the, the kind of consensus, consensus view on the street has been like Intel's not really well positioned to be a play on, uh, on um, G, from, in terms of GPUs. And in fact, there's been some concern that in the data center, some dollars might migrate to GPUs from CPUs, um, which would not be so good for, for Intel. And then of course, in the background, we have this vast restructuring Re repositioning of their business, uh, you know, building big um, contract fabs um, in uh, in Ohio and in Arizona and uh, a few other places. So, what's your what's the bullish take for Intel from an AI view? Yeah, um, well, I think they have three dollars in earnings power when the dust settles in a few years, um, maybe even in twenty twenty five, and I think it can get fifteen on that and maybe up to 20 if they show that they can get some Foundry customers because Foundry is a very high margin mm -hmm. product and it'll be a higher multiple business and, and the street would reward them. So that's the bottom line underpinning of, of the analysis where I come out on earnings. But let me give you a few points, not even AI related. This is, this is a little bit more, just going back. One, PCs are gonna echo the, the COVID bubble of 2020 and 2021. I've been looking at the PC market 30 years. There is always a quarter where semi, some semi companies look silly and didn't call the channel drain. And then they look silly on the way up when they don't call the channel fill. And I'm not sure when it happens, but I do feel that we will echo that demand starting in the sweet spot next year. And Intel will get their share of some PC upgrades. Not mm -hmm. to mention, not to mention, if Pat is even remotely right, that you're going to um, want their Meteor-like PCs for AI, uh, you know, uh, inferencing, uh, which he doesn't even need as part of the thesis, you know, then, then we see PCs have an uplift and we think PCs accelerate. So that underpins the, you know, almost the majority of the revenue, right? Then on the data center side, we think that there is a halo effect that will occur and lift up servers. So we think that servers will benefit, you know, GPUs gotta sit on some CPU. Right. And we don't, we don't think it's a zero sum game. We get what's going on right now and it's certainly sucking the air out of the room. But if we need more devices on the edge to capture data that can then go into AI apps, et cetera, Intel will benefit. Then I also think that uh, they actually, you know, they are really, there's so much negativity on their technology. I mean. They are ahead in this gate all around 3D stacking mm -hmm. uh, manufacturing, and they could have, you know, they could have a lead on TSMC uh, later this decade, which then brings more foundry customers. Um, there's a lot of folks who think they can't do it because of past missteps, but this is a major technology transition. They've nailed them in the past, distant past. And if they, if they are able to do this, then the multiple really expands. And if they get anything right in AI, it's a bonus. So this is actually like, you're talking to an AI analyst who's put on my value hat and like right. made AI the bonus. Right. Um, so uh, that, that's how I think of that one. Okay. All right. We've, we've like blown through all my uh, time barriers here. And uh, well, it was so fun though, you know? Thank you for doing this. We will have you back again soon, Ben. It's going to be an interesting few days ahead as we get, uh, I saw something like, I don't know, 20% of the S&P is reporting in the next like two days. Um, it's going to be a busy time. Uh, you have a lot, of, right. a lot of calls to listen to. Erica, um, thank you. You do a great job and uh, really appreciate it.
Thank you. And thanks for everyone for being with us today. Um, please join us again tomorrow. Um, Market Watch Personal Finance Managing Editor uh, Quentin uh, Futrell is going to talk to um, uh, Leslie Albrecht, another uh, Market Watch editor, about uh, why economists say the summer is proof of the trillion dollar female economy. Um, that sounds interesting. Um, thanks to all of you for being with us. Come back again soon. Be well, stay safe. Thanks very much. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.